This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from, with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. We have such an exciting guest today. Wait, Um, we're going to start out by saying... If our audio is not perfect on this episode, we know that you're going to message us and tell us, but here's the deal. <laughs> we, we know you're going to let us know, but here's the deal. We are recording from home. I had to get COVID tested. Um, all is good, but so our amazing guest we have here today, um, Erica Kaplan from the Three Day Rule, uh, an expert matchmaker. Hi, Erica. So Hi. exciting. Oh my gosh, I'm super excited to be chatting with you guys today. Thanks for having Wait. me. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and the Three Day Rule is an exclusive matchmaking company, right? Yeah, you're totally right. So we are a pretty old school matchmaking company with kind of a modern twist. Um, we pretty much work with busy professionals for the most part. Um, we work with just a handful of clients at a time. We get to know them on a pretty deep level, um, not so different than therapy, I would imagine. And then we actually go out and source and vet matches on their behalf. Wow. Um, work through a pretty enormous database that we've built over a, a pretty long period of time and pretty much just sift through people who, you know, look good on paper and then match our clients with people who um, are a good fit off paper, like all, based on all the intangibles that obviously actually make a match work. Wow. So you, Wait. so you're sitting down with your clients and just like asking them a bunch of questions about what they're interested in. Like how long does that kind of process take when you're talking to your clients to understand what they're looking for? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a pretty, I would say it's a pretty iterative process. So we, before we take on any clients, we get to know them fairly well just to make sure we can actually do a good job and really help them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that meeting, that kind of initial meeting takes 
at least an hour or so. Um, but then we're constantly in contact with our clients. So we really develop a rapport and a relationship with them. Um, quite frankly, I mean, this is not some arm's length business arrangement, right? We're really a part of their personal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's pretty important that they feel that way and that we can really um, kind of you know, confide in one another and have a really straightforward working relationship. So we spend a lot of time with our clients. I mean, in the pre-COVID world, that meant, you know, in person and cocktails and coffee. And now it just means, you know, calling and texting and FaceTiming and that kind of stuff. But we do spend a lot. A little, a little different than it's been in the past. I'm sure that makes things a little less fun. Yeah. I mean, over Zoom. (laughs) I mean, yeah, Zoom is, is like 2020's (laughs) most used word, but um, (laughs) like officially a verb, but, um, it's just different. I mean, it's, you you know, I think in general, people are missing that human connection, which in my opinion is why dating is actually kind of booming right now. Um, Mm -hmm. people are just so lonely and isolated and they're really craving that connection. Um, so, you know, zoom definitely gets in the way of that if you want to kind of think of it that way, but, um, it's also, you know, a, a means to helping people get to know one another. So totally, totally. It's such a like wonderful service that you provide. Um, and it's so different from, you know, some of the app based dating. Um, and we actually took a poll on our Instagram, um, whether, yeah, whether, uh, people have, or would use a dating app and then, or would they use a matchmaker? And so 79% said they have and would use a dating app. And then only 45% said they have and would use a matchmaker. I know. Well, I'm going to chalk that up to 45% having had like, yes, any, I'm going to, I'm going to call it that. But I mean, I think that there is, um, some misconceptions around matchmaking in general. I think it's become, it's like the oldest, but newest profession in the world, right? Matchmaking for like thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And it used to be really like the only means of meeting someone and, um, and, and getting married, but, um, it's really become necessary again, given that people are so burnt out from dating in the apps. And so it's really just, you know, a way to put the human element back into dating because dating is so human. Um, and apps can make it feel so, um, so kind of, so clinical and so, um, transactional. But I think Absolutely. I would just said it's so perfect. And I've had so many clients talk about this. It's just how exhausted they are from apps, right? Yes. So right now, especially with COVID life, really like getting onto Hinge, doing Bubble, like that's like the number one thing we go to. But first of all, a lot of people see the same people over and over again. Yeah. Um, and it's exhausting sort of swiping through and then you're talking to all these people. And I think people can get overwhelmed and burnt out from it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of people come to us because they're simply burnt out from dating on the apps or just dating in general. Um, The funny thing is we really, we don't see ourselves as competitors uh, uh, with the apps. I actually feel like what we do is kind of a compliment to what any single can do on the apps. Mm -hmm. And we actually usually advise our clients to spend time when they are working with us to spend time on at least just one app, like pick one app. um, Because when better to navigate the crazy world of online dating than when you actually have an expert in your corner to kind of confide in and, you know, help you navigate that. Um, but I mean, there are some crazy stats out there. The average online dater spends 12 hours a week 
swiping and online. Wow. Like, well, you know what? The, <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing, the thing about apps too is that, you know, it ends up being kind of like gamey in a way. It almost feels like you're like playing a game and it's, it's hard to remember that there's a person behind um, the swiping. Um, and, you know, I talk to a lot of clients about apps and, and once again, you know, the burnout. Um, and I think it's just so much easier to, to ghost people on the apps. Does ghosting happen in matchmaking? Oh, good question. <laughs> that's a really good question. And that's where I was going with, with that too, that, you know, I think ghosting ha- is really a product of feeling that people are no longer people. They're just profiles, right? right. Um, we really try and kind of veer away from that. Um, and because we are talking to both parties, we can pretty much always either bridge a gap um, after a first date or make sure that somebody closes the loop. So we really don't see ghosting very much in matchmaking um, because we are able to kind of guide singles away from it. I don't think anyone wants to ghost. I mean, you know, it's that old adage, do unto others as you want others to do unto you. And I think people believe that and want to subscribe to that idea, but it's just too easy to kind of just stop answering a text message, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's easier than saying, listen, like we don't have a connection. I think that like, just as people, you know, hate getting rejected, also rejecting people is very difficult, you know, because it brings up a lot of guilt. Um, It's, it's just, it's a hard process. And I think that it's hard to face it if you, if you recognize, okay, maybe this wasn't a good connection because we tend to take that rejection so personally, as opposed to just saying, listen, wasn't a connection. It has nothing to do with you. Um, and that's okay. Totally. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a lot of guilt that goes along with being the rejector. Um, and I think it really just kind of fuels the fire of frustration that people feel in dating, right? It's like, Oh, another one bites the dust. I have to just cut Mm -hmm. my losses and move on. Um, but there's a lot to be said about that too, right? I mean, I think we live in this world of like instant gratification, right? Like we Mm -hmm. have Seamless and Uber and Amazon Prime and we can get, you know, groceries delivered in two hours and we can a whole series on Netflix and like the click of one button. And so I think it's really created this culture of instant gratification where if we don't feel chemistry immediately, we just want to move on. Like we're kind of looking Mm -hmm. to slapped in the face with this idea of chemistry to the point where I don't even think people really recognize what chemistry means anymore. Right. And I've just seen that it really can grow. Like there's a lot to be said for just kind of for familiarity. Right. Um, and for allowing people to surprise you and giving people the chance to open up. And so, um, I think, you know, if people were ghosting a little bit less frequently and just giving people the benefit of the doubt, we actually might see more relationships come out of it. Um, Absolutely. They want to, you know, allow chemistry and that spark to grow a little bit. So, well, Erica, so I would imagine, well, I would imagine that the, of all the questions you get probably, which is how do you get a perfect match? But I would imagine you also get a lot of, how the hell did you become a matchmaker? It's <laughs> a great question. Yes, that's for sure. Yeah. I always say matchmaking, like saying you're a matchmaker is like the best party trick in the room. Like everyone yeah. wants to <laughs> I'm sure. Um, yeah. It's so funny because there are times where I'd be in like, you know, an Uber or, um, I don't know, wherever else where I maybe didn't want to kind of go down the whole rabbit hole of what I did. And sometimes it's easier to just say, 
I'm in, you know, I'm in marketing or I'm in advertising or like something kind of that, that closes the loop without having to explain away what matchmaking is because you can't just simply say I'm a matchmaker and move on, you know, with the conversation. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I've, I've been a matchmaker for, um, for over six years now, which is kind of hard to believe. Um, and I actually used to be, um, my, my first job was actually in publishing. So I actually started my career in publishing for Rolling Stone and Us Weekly in New York. Um, I left college early to do it, which is beyond me. I can't even believe that I did that. (laughs) What a crazy world. But um, I I did that for a couple of years and I liked it and it was glitzy and glamorous and I had a really impressive, you know, brand and title. Um, And that was really cool when I was, you know, kind of fresh out of college Um, but it didn't take me long to realize that I was kind of unmotivated and uninspired by it. And I just felt like I, I just wasn't meant to sit behind a desk from nine to six, you know, um, kind of punching the clock. And, um, I had this, um, I had this colleague that was single and that I was always talking to about dating. Um, and she left the company. She actually moved over to another dating company that at the time, Three Day Rule was uh, starting to partner with. And she called me out of the blue. And she said, I know this sounds so crazy, but we're working with this matchmaking company and they're looking for one of their first matchmakers in New York City. And I think you should apply. I think you'd be such a good matchmaker. Wow. Um, and at the time I was a 20, I was 20, I was a 25 year old engaged woman um, who met her college sweetheart when she was 18. And I pretty much knew nothing about dating, um, but I was always so fascinated with it. So um, yeah, I just, I took an interview and I I left that interview being like, oh my God, I have to be a matchmaker. Uh, And the rest is history. I've been with the company ever since. Wow. I mean, like what a, as such a, such a career switch, it's so interesting that your friend out of the blue reached out to you, just knowing that you would ask her about her dating. Um, Like clearly she saw something in you. Yeah. I mean, I like to think that. I mean, I, I, I kind of owe it all to her, right? Um, It's funny, funny how life works, but um, yes, it was just a really organic fit and it was an odd thing to leave my really kind of cushy, comfy brand recognized office job, um, to do something as what someone who had never heard of matchmaking would think is really kind of wonky. Right. Um, especially six years ago, I think that matchmaking has picked up a lot of kind of speed over the past five years or so. Um, but I remember leaving that office and people were like, good luck. <laughs> like, what are you doing again? Matchmaking? Good luck. Um, but it was just, you know, it, it didn't take me much time at all to see what a need the world and the big cities and in the world really needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, and it sounds like it's something you're really passionate about. Like it was such a career change, but it's something that really spoke to you. Um, and so like, what, what do you feel like your favorite things are about being a matchmaker? Yeah. Um, you're right. I am totally passionate about it. I think that, um, what really always drove me was this idea of every day, my day consists of getting to know new people. And just like, my job is to get to know their stories and help them kind of extrapolate from their past, like what they want their future to look like, which I imagine is a lot like what you guys do every day. Um, But I just feel very lucky to be able to do that. And I mean, 
the beautiful thing about matchmaking is it's really not paths fail, right? So a lot of people come to us, of course, wanting a long-term relationship, wanting engagements, wanting marriage and babies and all that. And that's the end goal. That's the holy grail. Um, but there are so many micro successes that need to happen before that macro success can even, you know, possibly be a possibility. Um, and it's really cool to be a part of that. So just helping people kind of open up their horizons, um, be open to meeting different types of people than they ever would have imagined they would meet before, um, helping them just be more confident when it comes to going on dates, when it comes to being more assertive, asking people out on dates. Like there are so many things that need to happen to become a better dater and meet the person that you're supposed to be with. Right. And I just, I just don't take that lightly, you know? I mean, it's important. You must get so close with your clients. I mean, to sit there with their growth and be part of that. I mean, that must be a really cool experience for you as well. It is. It's really pretty cool and it's incredibly rewarding. And I still keep in touch with clients from six years ago. I mean, they really are um, still in some way, shape or form a part of my life, even if we're just checking in occasionally. But we really develop, I mean, we, we try to really develop close relationships and rapport with the people that we're doing this for because, you know, it's it's a big deal to them and it's a big deal, deal to us. And we're, we're working so closely with them and um, and we really get, we, we get to know them on a pretty deep level. Right. And it, like, it sounds too, like you're doing a little bit of coaching with them, right? So, you know, to help them be more assertive or to reach out in different ways. Like, is there anything specific that you see, whether it's in men or women, um, like things that you really have to coach them on, like any kind of themes across the board? Yeah. So a lot of people come to us with checklists. Um, okay. I, and I think that there's something to be said for knowing what you want or thinking you know what you want, right? And coming to the doctor <laughs> or coming to dating, feeling prepared. And really, it's because we work with people who, in so many ways, have kicked ass in their real life, right? In their work life, in their family life, in their hobbies. Like they're so great at everything, but dating is kind of the one piece of the puzzle that's been missing for them. So they go at it in the same way that they go out everything else, right? Really um, kind of clinically and deliberately and um, granularly kind of trying to break it down. And so they come to us saying, this is what I know I want. And the fact is most of the time, those people end up dating someone who's pretty different than mm -hmm. the boxes that they were trying to check on a list. And so a big part of the coaching really boils down to helping them, you know, with those limiting beliefs of why they think they need X, Y, and Z and how we can move away from that. Um, and that goes for men and women. And, you know, we work with people who um, are experienced daters. We work with people who are less experienced daters, but pretty much across the board, um, the people who have the best experiences are the people who are kind of willing to be surprised and willing to be open-minded throughout the process. Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. 
Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E.com slash shrinkchicks. Is there pretty cool? It's very cool. Is there anyone you come in contact with where they are unwilling to open, open up their mind or they're just very specific about what they want that it ends up being a little bit more challenging? Absolutely. No, I mean, it, it, it's actually something that as a company, we're trying to to move away from a little bit because we really have found that the people we can do great work for are the people who are willing to kind of call us the experts and let us call the shots in that way a little bit. Um, and, and what I mean by that is just, you know, allowing us to do our job and helping them open their mind. Um, there are definitely people who come to us and they say, you know, I, I've dated tons of w- women or men before. I know exactly what doesn't work. Here it is. Um, go find it. And the thing with matchmaking is you can't throw money at this problem, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we, we aren't building perfect human beings. We're working within the confines of the human race and, yes. <laughs> and, and you know, wherever you live and however, you know, whatever your age range is. And 
So people come to us and they say, if someone came to me and said, I want someone who's six feet, who's Ivy League educated, who is, you know, tall, dark, and handsome, and who also speaks two languages. I mean, that's wonderful and lovely. And I, I hope you can find him, but it's pretty unlikely that that's all going to come in one person. Right. Uh, and so it's all about priority. Well, then you have to like their personality. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you. So, right? Yeah. Right. Like they might have, you could probably find someone who has all those things on paper and it doesn't mean that they're going to make you laugh and make you happy. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and it's also right. And it's got to be mutual. So, you know, we're, we're, we want to set our clients up for success. Um, and we want to make sure that we're putting everyone in front of people who, um, we feel like they're really going to kind of hit it off with and get along with. Again, chemistry is always going to be that X factor. Um, and it's not something that we even pretend to predict, but you're right. I mean, as I said before, it's, it's so much about all the intangibles that really when it comes down to it, most happy relationships, um, kind of ditched the checklist, right? They really are going off of a feeling. Um, and they're, they're with people that make them feel happy and safe, right? And it, it has so, it boils down to things like values and goals and mindset and all the things that you can't really find on paper. Absolutely. And so it's just, it just must be like, you know, one of the reasons we thought it would be so cool to bring you on is just like, it's just such an interesting job, right? And you're meeting so many different people. Um, and it's just, it, it does, it kind of aligns with what we do a little bit in terms of, you know, the coaching piece or helping people really dig into it. Like, do you ever get into any of the psychology um, behind people or what might come out in their relationships? Like, how does that play out? Because, you know, as, you know, couples therapists, obviously that's something that we're always, you know, alert to. Yeah. Um, so, I am not a trained psychologist by any means, but I think having spent so much time kind of digging in with so many people over the past few years, um, I definitely have a lot of experience in just the psychology of, you know, humans and daters and sociology and all that. Um, we, we definitely dig into psychology a little bit. Something I've been seeing a lot of recently is this idea of like kind of overcorrecting in relationships. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys see this in, in what you do. If yes. you're yeah. But I don't know why I said that. Of course you do. Uh, <laughs> but no, no, I didn't. no, no, but like, yeah, like this is a whole thing. It's huge. I mean, it, it, it's huge and it's so limiting and it's so, but it makes so much sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, the psychology behind it is so obvious. You have a relationship that's one way and you leave that relationship burned and you say, I never want this to happen to me ever again. Mm-hmm. And you go the entire opposite way without really any regard for the fact that there was a reason you were with this past person, right? So there's right. something there. Um, and so a lot of what we do with our clients when you know they're, they're exiting a breakup and trying to get back out there is really just make, make sure that they're aware that they're overcorrecting. Like I think just awareness that they're kind of going in that direction is the, the first step towards solving it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then trying to figure out where the happy medium is, right? Like it makes sense that you want to move away from your ex a little bit, but we have to kind of find some, some happy medium. Right. And well, you know it's what? Sort I of think, interesting. No, Jen. I was oh, so sorry. When we can't see each other, it's so easy it's to very interrupt hard, each yeah. other. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think it's a way that like people try to protect themselves in a lot of yeah. ways. And I think, oh, you know, we see a lot of clients do that too. If they're 
parents' relationship was a certain way um, that, and they, you know, weren't happy with it or saw that their parents weren't happy in some way that they try to overcorrect to in their relationship, that they will try to go the complete opposite way. Um, and, you know, it ends up, their motives end up being more so as a means of protection as opposed to a connection or something that they're interested in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I think that, so the next thing I know people are dying to know is so like, how would you do this? Like, cause I think that we talk about matchmaking and we think about it almost as like from not this century, <laughs> you know, like we think about it as like, Oh, like something that happened past, but like, this is happening right now all over the place. This is a modern matchmaking. So like, is there a vetting process? How do you get started? Let's say someone's listening to this and they're interested. Yeah, sure. So yeah, it, it is modern. It is tech enabled, but at the end of the day, it really is like kind of brick and mortar, right? It's human beings handpicking and selecting matches for you and making introductions um, pretty one-on-one. So um, to, to, there, there are a couple of ways to work with us. So the, to be in our database is totally free. Um, I would kind of equate it to another, you know, hat to, to drop your name into, right? It's incredibly passive, but we draw from our database as we match our paid clients all the time. Um, and, and they could just join that at threedayrule.com. But um, which is where the tech comes in, I guess, right? We're not using, little, we're not using your grandmother's little Rolodex anymore. <laughs> uh, we don't have a paper, yeah, like a paper spiral Rolodex. Um, so everything, everything does live online. Um, but we actually do that everyone in person. So for our, for our clients, as I said before, we get to know them on a really deep kind of intangible level. Um, we ask them all the questions about their, their past relationships, their family, their, their, parents' relationships, because as you said before, I actually think that plays a lot into um, what what people are looking for as they move forward in, in, in their own relationships, um, and of course, what their search looks like. And then we actually go out into pretty much the world at large and find potential options for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we vet those people pretty much the same way that we vet our clients. So if you were my client, I might meet with you know, 10 guys on your behalf. Um, before setting you up with one guy that I actually think is kind of the best of the bunch. So, and when we're talking to those guys, we're asking them again, all the same questions that we're asking our clients. So we can really make sure that the intangible stuff aligns, right? So do the values align, do the family goals align, do the locational goals align. Um, do you, you know, it could be as simple as I am a city person. I want to stay in the city forever. Oh no, I'm a suburbs person. I hate the city. Um, do your financial goals align? I always think it's a good question to understand, you know, how people spend their expendable income. I think mm. uh, finances and money um, is a pretty hot button topic when it comes yes. to relationships. <laughs> right. And so it's, it's a question that you, if you're going out into the world and trying to get your own dates, um, even if you get on a first or second date, you can't really ask these guys that question, right? Like, if you want to have kids, how do you spend your money? What does your travel look like? Yeah, then you're a little too thirsty. Yeah, you're too thirsty. (laughs) And it's just, I mean, in a lot of ways, just, it's too soon, right? I mean, a first date should be pretty, pretty light and airy. And so sometimes you'll see people get to like a fifth date with someone and realize that they have all these deal breakers and they wasted five dates with someone who was really a non-option had they had a little Mm -hmm. bit more. So we it's funny because people get into our office and they've been married for five years and just having this conversation. Right, it's true. (laughs) It takes people some couples. It takes a really long time. Yes. 
so true. Yeah. So we try and get all of that kind of BS out of the way and then just pair people based on the stuff that really matters. That's going to make for a kind of healthy, happy, long-term relationship down the line. And, so when they get on the date, they just have to see if they like each other. And you know, what's you know, what's interesting is that like having a third person, cause we experience this in couples therapy, having a third person, like you're having someone else ask these questions. And so it kind of takes the pressure off of the like dynamic between the two of them. Well, don't you think um, people are more honest then? Because we're, yeah. we're not trying to get, no one's trying to impress you, Erica, right? Like, so like for me, people tend to tell me the truth. Where at the beginning of a relationship, a lot of times- We think. We, we, we think we, people we, tell us the truth. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like in, in the beginning of a relationship, you're doing, you know, the fawning thing where you're saying what you think they want to hear. Yeah. No, right? that's, And then you're like, oh, like, just kidding. I said I didn't want kids, but I actually do. Yeah. And no, I was just trying to seem really cool and chill before. <laughs> yeah, we, we see we see that all the time and we we're pretty trained in kind of asking the right questions in the right way. Um, but you're right. I mean, we, we look people in the eye and we ask them point blank how they feel about having kids or what their past relationship looks like or you know, something as simple as a, a simple enough question as are you looking for something long term, right? If if the right person came along, are you looking to, you know, I'm using air quotes now but settle down. Um and that's a simple question, but you can't ask that on your own behalf, right? Right. And so, so much about a good match. Is I mean, you can, but you get mindset. right. You yes. can, but then people like think like, oh God, she's so like he's they're so desperate, right? Was, like, right. Like there's like a stigma. Yes. Yes. Uh, right. Yeah. Just that that idea of being just straightforward. Yeah. You don't you don't see it very often. But I mean it. At the very least, matchmaking can kind of take the heat off of that, yeah. as you said, the pressure off of that, because both parties go on the date and they know that everything's, you know, not everything, right? But a lot of the big questions are already laid out on the table, so they don't even have to worry about having that conversation, um, because they already both know that they're on the same page, which is... Mm. It like leaves more room for the actual connection piece as opposed to like the anxiety around, mm -hmm. okay, are we aligning on these things that are going to be really important? Like, does this person want a long-term relationship, right? Because that kind of brings a lot of anxiety into like the initial parts of dating is, you know, um, you know, maybe I'm connected to this person, but they're not interested in the same things. Our values don't align. Um, but those are things you can't ask, you know, on the first date because it feels too desperate. Um, but, but it kind of takes that, that anxiety out of it that you already know that those things align. Yeah, that's so true. And there's so much guesswork that goes along with dating. Um, so we really, we, we try and kind of cut out some of that guesswork. We actually, even after every date, we talk to both people, um, which is probably, similar to what you guys do in marriage and family. Yes. yes. Um, we, we do it separate. We don't do it together. Uh, but we do check in with both parties to kind of understand how it went, what worked, what didn't work um, on our clients. And it really helps us to understand, you know, how, how they're feeling about the process and how we're kind of doing. Are we missing the mark? Um, it's really, as I said before, it's a really iterative process. And so the more we understand about how the dates are going and what they like and what they don't like, um, the more we can work together to move the needle as we continue to set them up on dates. Um, because at that point, we're not talking about someone hypothetical anymore, right? We're talking about someone that we both now know. So we're no longer just building this hypothetical list of qualities. We're talking about 
a real live person that they went out with that I, I mean, in a lot of ways also went out with, right? We kind of, I kind of go on dates with them too. Um, So that's kind of unique. Will you then give the feedback to the other person? Um, yeah, so we really, we, we try and be as straightforward and constructive as possible. Um, so, you know, we, um, our goal is to really make sure that both parties know exactly where they stand to some extent, because I think Mm -hmm. that that makes in so many ways dating so hard and so anxiety inducing. And so we talk to our client after the date, we talk to their match after the date. And if there's ever any information that the match gives us that we feel like can help our client be a better dater in the future, um, we do feel like that's our job to kind of help them navigate that. Uh, I always equate it to like having lipstick on my tooth, right? It's like one of those that you could walk around all day with some lipstick on your teeth and nobody can tell you. And then you're walking around (laughs) like an idiot on your teeth all day but if someone tells you to wipe it off you wipe it off and you move on with your day and it's like it never happened right you move forward right. Uh, so I kind of see it that way like we can help them make these tiny little micro tweaks that make them such a better dater um, and what I'm seeing in you know the the past couple of years and dating in 2020 is people are really interested in being self-aware like self-awareness mm-hmm. is a very cool thing to be work on. Um, and so people are really receptive to that kind of feedback and figuring out how they could do that. Even if they're super experienced or seasoned, I think everyone, everyone believes that there's room for a little bit of self-improvement, which is cool. Is that ever hard for you to deliver? Like, is there any kind of difficult information that you have to deliver that's, that's difficult for you to say to a person? Yeah. So I believe in being constructive. So if it's something like attraction or um, something that a client or a match can't change, mm-hmm. I think that it does it does no good, right? It right. just bogs you down and makes you feel bad. And that's not what this is about at all. It's about being proactive and productive and constructive and figuring out how to get better and better and more confident as you go along in your dating journey. So there is definitely, I mean, look, we're in the business of human beings. Humans are super, super unpredictable. People say the craziest things, of course. Um, But for the most part, it's as simple as, um, you know, I I thought she was interesting, but she talked so much about work. I don't think she really has room in her life for a relationship. That's something that we can really work on. Right. And that's something that you don't know when you're on a date because you're just kind of in it, right? You don't, you don't leave a date and give them a survey and ask how, how you did. I mean, that would be cool, I guess, but it's, it's not the way dating works these days. So if we have that Intel, if we have that information, we get to help people, you know, make those little changes that they didn't have to do. Absolutely. And it's, it, it probably is so helpful for them. And, you know, it, it kind of takes us into our follower questions because we, we got so many questions for you. Hey, uh, we, we put, <laughs> we put these questions up last night. We got so many, um, because I think, you know, it's a really interesting topic and, and it's, it's, it's a struggle. Dating is hard. Um, and so are you ready? Ready. Okay. So first one, what is the most important thing to have in common for a great match? So I think the most important thing that you need to have in common for a really strong match is it really boils down to values. Um, the values really have to align. So when I say values, 
it really means whatever values are important to you and you in particular, right? There is no like average set of values. Um, what I normally see is like family goals, financial goals, religious values, educational values. Um, I think those things do really need to kind of line up um, when it comes to long-term success. Um, and the other thing is really just mindset. So I think you can be perfectly compatible on lots of levels, including values, um, but you really have to be in the right frame of mind. Mm. Uh, and timing has to really align. And if it doesn't, you're just not a good fit, right? So you can be perfect on every level, but someone's not serious about finding long-term partner. And if that's the case, then it's just not a match. We have to move on. So um, I think that those two things, you know, can be fairly hard to screen for on an app. And so when we're searching for matches for our clients, we're pretty much point blank, just asking these questions to potential matches so we can just set up, you know, as, as compatible dates as we can. And like the, you know, that cliche saying, I say this to people all the time, that timing is everything is so true. It's so true. I mean, it's it so true. With that saying, they're talking about. It's, it makes so much sense because, you know, if someone just got out of a relationship and they had a bad breakup um, and they're bringing it into their next relationship and, it, you know, it comes out and they haven't worked through it, like it's going to screw up their, their new relationship. So it just, it, the, the whole timing is everything thing, I think means so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the next, the next question once you is asking for you to kind of um, rank those things. <laughs> like, what components do you feel are, <laughs> are one, most in one way? Right. Like, what components do you feel are most important? Um, shared interests, values, and religious spiritual views, or honesty and acceptance. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you're you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. 
I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. What would you say the most important things are? Wow. So, oh gosh. So I would say, I mean, kind of a cop out of an answer, but I would say all the above. I mean, yeah. what, what I tell my clients is that nobody is going to hit 100% on all cylinders, right? So you're always going to have to make some concessions. You're going to have to understand that you kind of need to pick and choose based on what's most important to you. Um, but the fundamentals, like things like honesty and respect and trust, um, those are always going to have to be the things that keep a happy relationship strong. So I think it's, it, it's almost um, a different question than, you know, what you're looking for in a match versus what's going to make a long-term relationship work. Because those things, honesty, acceptance, trust, respect, those things kind of grow with time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need to be foundationally there from the get-go. And I think that makes it, that does not sound like a cop-out at all. I think it makes so much that sense. Great and, answer. Great uh, answer. Like right. phenomenal. So, wait, so, so Erica, so on paper, when you're doing this, what do you look for when you're matching two people? So on paper, I mean, it's always going to be things that you're going to see on an app, right? So first and foremost, we want to make sure before we even start vetting people based on the intangibles that we have someone who's kind of in the wheelhouse of, of, of the person who's looking, right? So whatever's important to them, age range, height, religion, education level, um, career, like all the things that are pretty easy to kind of screen for and, and, and kind of select out. And then when we have a handful of people who meet those criteria, we actually get in touch with them. We see if they're interested in our client. We see if they're looking for a long-term relationship. And if so, if those things check out, we get them on the phone or on a FaceTime um, and ask them all these questions so we can understand who they are you know, off paper. Wow. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. So Erica, do you, do you think opposites really attract? Hmm. Good question. Um, I think that in some ways, finding someone who both balances you and kind of brings out the best of your best qualities is important. Um, something like opposite hobbies, sure. Something like opposite values, probably not. Right. Um, so it kind of depends on what you're talking about when you talk about opposite, right? Um, as for personality, I mean, it's probably somewhere in between. So I meet people, and I, th- I it might even go back to that idea of overcorrecting, right? So I meet people who say um, they're introverted and they feel like they need a total extrovert to draw them out because they couldn't be with another introverted person. Um, but I think 
that actually the polar opposite of yourself can be kind of complicated, right? So in that mm-hmm. scenario, um, I usually see that the introverted partner becomes really overwhelmed by this really extroverted other half. Um, and the extroverted partner is really exhausted because they're kind of doing all the legwork and, and picking up, you know, the slack of the social um, aspect of the other partner. And so you usually have to find some happy medium when it comes to personality. That makes, right. it makes so much sense. And you know what, it, it's, it's kind of, I know I'm saying a lot of cliches today, but, <laughs> but it goes into the things, you know, you know how people say the things that you love most about a person you'll end up hating in the Ooh. end, right? And so like, if yeah. initially, like you might be initially attracted if you're an introvert to someone well, who's you're like infatuated with it. Right. Like, right. like yeah, I mean, this is so different than me. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, just, you know, just because the initial traction or the pull is there doesn't mean it's necessarily like a good match for a long term where like in the end, that might be an exhausting match. That is so true. I could not have said it better myself. Right. So we're just going to fire these questions at you. Um, <laughs> about what percentage of couples wind up staying together long term after being set up by a matchmaker? So that's, that's a question that you can imagine we get all the time. Sure. Um, but the fact is these successes kind of take a while to unfold, right? Like nobody's married in six months, um, not usually anyway. So it's kind of, it's hard to quantify what a long-term relationship even is. And then mm-hmm. go ahead and ask former clients to, you know, continue to report back to us. So, I mean, to be honest, we've kind of struggled to put a real quantifiable, quantifiable number on that. Um, we've been in business for a long time. So we obviously have lots of really cute success stories and engagements and marriages and even babies at this point. Um, but we've actually just as a general policy kind of steered away from putting a real metric on success because it's kind of a moving target, right? So it's, it's a little bit hard to be accurate. Um, interesting. And so, okay, this is a great question. Because I think that a lot of people probably struggle with this, especially these days. Any advice for how to switch from texting to a date? Guys seem to be happy with just texting. (laughs) You have to ask for what you want. I mean, that's the advice. You are in control of the situation too. Put yourself in the driver's seat. Um, Guys adore when women take initiative. Um, And I think you can keep it really casual and simple. You can say something like, gosh, I'm, I'm not great at this, but you could say something like, I'm having fun chatting, but any interest in taking this offline so we can meet up and see how it goes. And usually guys are pretty keen on that. Um, I, I did a panel with match.com pretty recently. And I asked all of the guys in the group to raise their hand if they like when a woman, a woman takes initiative and literally every single one raised their hand. Like there was one guy who kept his hand down. So I mean, I, I agree it's nice for guys to take initiative. There's definitely something there to chivalry, um, but it's a two-way street. So, you know, if you ask him out, maybe you can count on him to plan the date, but if you want something, you have to ask for it. So Absolutely. I, I think that's, I mean, it's such a good answer and it's so interesting because as women, we've kind of been socialized to, to not be assertive or to, to wait in some way. And also, you know, if you think about like all the romantic comedies that we've seen um, growing up, that it's a lot of like the man taking the initiative. Um, yeah, women uh, like, and these big jokes off their feet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
then these big gestures, right, which really often are not realistic. Yeah. Sometimes it's just, I mean, I don't know, Erica, we went to the same college. For us, it was you want to do a pregame together. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, that's I have a big to, gesture. I'm in a frat house, so. Right, yes. <laughs> right, like, so for us, it was like something smaller. And now it's probably, especially in this season of COVID, do you want to go on a walk together, right? It's probably not standing outside your door with a stereo over top of their heads in the say anything manner. I love that movie, uh, though. <laughs> I, I know, it really is such a classic. But when we keep waiting for this, we keep waiting for someone to do this thing that's so unrealistic, we end up so disappointed. Right, like you have to dispel those myths that that's, that's the way, like these meet cutes are the way that people mm-hmm. meet each other. Um, and you know, that you, you know, as a female can also be the one taking initiative and taking control of the situation. Yeah, I agree with that so wholeheartedly. And I think that a big part of what we try to do at Three Day Rule is just empower people to kind of take control of their future, right? And it's interesting because I think in the olden days, people thought that only men hired matchmakers. Like women didn't pay for matchmakers. Um, Mm -hmm. And why? I mean, why is that? Why can't women ask for what they want? Why can't women put control in their own hands and start chipping away at making strides towards a goal? Right, right. And like to be able to empower women on that end of it to go after what they want. Um, like that has to be in itself so fulfilling as a matchmaker to, to work with women to kind of help them find their voice and their power and control in this. It always reminds me of that, um, there's an interview with Cher in like probably the 80s, where she's like, my mother always said to me, go marry a rich man. And she's like, mother, I am a rich man. Like, that's (laughs) what you're forgetting here. (laughs) So like, what if we all acted like that? (laughs) I like that idea. I I totally agree. I mean, it's just giving, giving women like, again, the power to ask for what they want. I mean, we've been so socialized to be passive, but then we live in this society where, you know, women are finally starting to climb the corporate ladder and we're trying to be equal to men. But then when it comes to dating, we want the man to be, we we no longer want to be equal. So it's confusing, right? And I think it's actually confusing for men. Like men don't want to, you know, make the, they're, they're very afraid especially in like, even, even in the world of me too. And they're very afraid to say the wrong thing or be condescending or be too assertive or not let a woman make the choice. And this comes down to when, when people go on dates and you do that whole who pays the check dance. Mm-hmm. We, all, we all know that dance mm-hmm. um, it's the same thing, right? Like men sometimes are confused when women offer to split the check because they don't want to insult the woman. She's a strong, independent woman. And so it's, pretty complicated. It really is. Do you think that men are becoming like less assertive, um, that they're kind of turning inward, like that they're, cause there is, it sounds like there is a lot of confusion among like gender roles and what that looks like in dating. Like how does that kind of play out? Hmm. So I have to think about that one. I, I think that again, it just kind of goes back to this culture of women becoming men's equal mm-hmm. finally right yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but 
again, I, I think it's not that men don't want to be assertive. I don't think it's that men are getting lazy. I mean, I think it, it has to do with a couple of things. It has to do with, again, women finally being equal to men in the workplace, um, women being strong and independent and fierce, right? We have like so many boss babes out there that yes. they, they want a man, but they don't need a man. And so we're always working with women, with women to try and make them understand that you can want a man and not need a man, but you still need to make space for him. Right. Um, and so I think that's kind of complicated for men, you know, like where do I fit in? Um, because guys like to be needed. I mean, we all like to be needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just app culture makes it a little bit, uh, again, we were talking about this before, but this idea of ghosting, like I think just app culture has made men and women alike just a little bit less accountable to their actions. Mm-hmm. And so I think that kind of creates a culture of, you know, lazy dating. Interesting. That makes a ton of sense. Um, so let's get into another question. How do you know if you're ready to start dating after a long-term relationship breakup? Such a good question. I have seen a lot of people grappling with this these days, um, for whatever reason. Gosh, there's like no cut and dry answer here. I, I believe in taking it slow as you put yourself back out there. Um, but everyone heals differently, right? So I would say you don't need to be over your ex to start dating again. You just have to be comfortable with the idea of moving on. Um, so it, it's, it's okay. I would advise that you take a second to grieve. And as soon as you feel like you're no longer grieving, so to speak, um, it's time to, you know, just see what else is out there. Even if mm-hmm. it doesn't, I think dating is, is kind of the journey and settling down is the destination, right? So it's okay to kind of start your journey, um, before you're ready to, get to the destination again. Um, Absolutely. And I, I think too that there's, you know, it's to, I think it might be important to normalize that like you can still have like lingering feelings for an ex and start dating and develop new feelings for someone different where, you know, those, maybe those lingering feelings from your ex aren't like completely overwhelming, but there might still be some stuff there and that it's okay to still be working through those feelings. It's just a matter of how much you bring them into the next relationship. Yeah. I love that. That is so true. Because I think there's this idea that like, you need to be completely over it. You need to have completely forgotten about your ex um, in order to start dating again. And I, I think that that ends up being unrealistic, you know, because when you're with someone for a long time, they kind of stick with you. Um, and the process of moving on is just such a process. And to just allow yourself to go through that, but also know that you can move on and you can start dating, even with some of those lingering feelings. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. That was well mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. Erica, I could, we could literally sit here and ask you questions all day. Oh, we have so um, many. We have so many, but our time is over up. But I have to ask one final question. I know which one you're going for. You know what I'm going to ask. How the fuck, some, this is the, our favorite question we got. How the (laughs) fuck are we supposed to meet someone during a pandemic? (laughs) I love it. It is a valid question. Uh, That's so funny. It's an amazing time to date. I mean, hopefully everyone hears me loud and clear. It is such a good time to date. So when all of this started back in March, we really had no idea what dating or matchmaking was going to look like. Um, But it became clear pretty quickly that people were craving connection and really kind of reprioritizing the importance of finding people, right? Like nobody had excuses anymore. Everybody was home. Um, Nobody had, had to work late. Nobody was going to 
um, doing work travel or going to work dinners or like there was just so much more time to kind of sit and reflect. Um, and we've really never been busier, which is kind of an interesting plot twist. Um, and, and has been, you know, obviously a silver lining for lots of reasons. Um, obviously a lot has changed. It's definitely tricky, but I would say the good news is that anyone who was looking for a relationship before the pandemic hit is quite frankly even more motivated now to find a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say the easiest answer is to just stay off the sidelines. Like don't wait it out. If it's something that's important to you, if it's a goal that you're trying to meet, you can't just kind of sit and let it play itself out. So obviously if the apps are stressing you out, you know, call a matchmaker, we can you know, pair you with someone who's also looking for something long-term, but the easiest thing to do is just to kind of continue to put yourself out there. Um, start with a virtual date. Usually we're seeing people do a virtual date, maybe a second date that's virtual too, and then a social distanced picnic or drink or walk or hike or something like that. Um, and people are really committing sooner than they used to, um, which is a, a nice change of pace. It's almost like a lot of the bad dating behaviors that the apps have kind of created over the past decade or so, um, are being unwound a little bit because nobody's sleeping around. Um, right. right. It's like you have to connect in person as opposed to, yeah. like you have to connect um, as opposed level. to like, yeah, on an emotional level, as opposed to like sexually connecting, which I think. Exactly. Right. right. For that, right. It's like, it's like the way our parents and grandparents dated. You like form an emotional connection first and then you commit and then you get physical. It's Pretty interesting, but absolutely, it's, it's not a bad thing. that is so amazing. Make sure you're continuing to date. Is my answer. Absolutely. So, so Erica is a senior new member strategist, a three-day rule, an exclusive matchmaking company that also um, does our Philadelphia location. What, what, other, what other cities are you in? So we're in nine cities across the country. Amazing. Uh, yeah, we're we're all over California. We're in Chicago, Boston, DC, New York, and Philadelphia. So. Perfect. Uh, we match people, you know. And if people, and Erica, if people are listening to this and are like, holy shit, this is what I need. I need an Erica in my life. How can they contact you? How can they get involved? Yeah. So you can email me directly at Erica at three day um, or you can sign up in our database at three day You can say, I referred you and I'll reach out from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a really informal kind of intro call to get started and we can chat from there to see how we can help you. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm today, Erica. Amazing three day rule. Also a mother of twins made the time in her schedule today um, to talk with us. So we cannot thank you enough for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. This was fun. This was definitely worth pulling away from the twins for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) We're so happy that we made it worth it. And also if you, if, if you're listening to this and you think it would be helpful for a friend, family member, acquaintance, someone, you know, send it on over to them. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Erica. You were incredible. Um, until next time. See you all then. Take care of yourself and be kind. We love you. Love you. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. 
Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts? We're gonna uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. Warning though, there will be no surface level conversations here. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image after trying to check all those be healthy boxes, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. I truly believe how you feel on the inside reflects out into every aspect of your life. So if you're ready to go below skin deep to tap into a whole other level of wellness, you're in the right place. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks.